Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Project Egg interview. Today, we have the honor of speaking with Chuck Allen, the Managing Director of Brightstone Capital. How are you doing today, Chuck? I'm wonderful. Amazing, actually. Yeah. Fantastic. And I How are you? How are you doing, Ben? I'm doing incredible, and I appreciate you so much coming on the show. Let's jump right in. What is your story? Wow, it's my story. <laughs> um, you know what? I have uh, what you would call an eclectic background. I started as a lawyer. I, uh, I practiced law for a little while. I found myself running an M&A group. And out of that, I realized that what, I really, what my passion really was, was about businesses and finding a way to to take those businesses and organize them and do everything I could to help them grow. And so along the way, I, I jumped in and I started doing some, some uh, working with a friend of mine. We were, we had a chemical business, we had an oil and gas business. And, and uh, you know, then I started doing some stuff internationally, uh, found myself gravitating towards uh, um, technology. And ultimately I think that, that most companies have a technology component to them that, you know, technology is about making people's lives better, easier to work, more efficient, helping us to make money. And so I, I saw even in all these, what people consider to be kind of normal run of the mill businesses, how technology could have an impact on that. And so I've, 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 I've worked in a lot of different sectors. I've worked, in Africa, I've worked in Europe. I've lived in Cuba. I've, I've, uh, you know, worked throughout uh, North America, and, and you know, I've been re- incredibly blessed to, to work on a lot of different types of projects with a lot of really, really good people. Is that good enough for a, a story? That's a great story. I really want to drill down into your early life. What was it like for you as a child growing up? What sort of household were you raised in? Uh, you know what? It was a very typical um, middle-class family. You know, we weren't wealthy. We had a, have a sister, you know, the typical have a boy, have a girl, and, and you know, that's it. Uh, lived in a modest house. But my my uh, my father was, a self-taught engineer. So he worked in the telecom space and kept pushing up the ranks um, and taught himself to to do engineering. And, uh, and I think from that, I, I recognize the real opportunity for any of us to be able to not be defined by where we came from, um, what we, what we saw as limitations, to just, you know, work hard. And I played sports. I played a lot of sports while I was growing up. And I, I recognized early on about the value of, of a team. And, and uh, you know, that uh, takes a lot of people to be able to create success. And, uh, you know, it's funny. A lot of people look at, at sports like uh, tennis or golf, and they see this individual out on the tennis court or the golf course, and they say, you know, look at that, that guy, that woman is incredibly successful. But the only reason they're incredibly successful is because they have a team of people in behind them. 
And and I you know I think that that sometimes people forget as they're trying to create businesses how important an, a great team is and and how that can make a huge difference in terms of your ability to be able to to achieve the kinds of goals that you want to achieve. When you were at the dinner table growing up, what were those conversations? like for you? Because it seems like, uh, at least from from what we've spoken about thus far, that um, your father's ability to teach himself and to progress as an individual was very impactful on you. Was that spoken about at the dinner table or was that more um, just you saw that, saw him leading by example? Like, how, how did you really get that? And and then if that wasn't what you talked about at the dinner table, what did y'all talk about? Well, I, you know, I, um, certainly we talked about those kinds of things. But I think, you know, growing up, uh, you know, we didn't have, uh, obviously, social media um, impacting our lives the way that it impacts our lives today. And so, you know, in, in the world we live in today, we're, we're bombarded with, with you know, news and facts and information. And when we, when we aren't being bombarded with it, we're actually seeking that information using our computers. And so, you know, at that time, it was, you know, people normally had got the newspaper at nighttime. And so that was the, the day's events. And so there was conversations about those kinds of things. And, and you know, and, well, I, I focus on my, my father, you know, my mother was one of those people that, that, you know, when we got to a certain age, she wanted to go back into the workforce. Um, she, she wanted to contribute. And so, you know, you see those kinds of things. And so there becomes that interaction about the day's events as well as, as current events, news, news events, uh, as well. And so, you know, I think, you, you know, and, and look, you know, there were my, you know, from a team sport perspective, my dad, you know, was a, a really good athlete. And so his expectation was that I was going to be a really good athlete. And, and at the same time, you know, there was always an expectation that I was going to university. My parents never had that luxury, but, but you know, there was always an expectation that I was going to university. My sister was going to university. It was, was not even like it was open for, for discussion. It was just an expectation. You're going, you're going to, you're going to, do something, and I, I think that the um, clearly some of the challenges that we face today in this world is just you know what, what are our expectations of of uh, you know the kid, our children as they grow up and our children's children and those kinds of things. As you're growing up and you're you're learning um, from you know the, these incredible role models that are your parents. Um, and, and then you're going through school and you're being exposed to all of the other people in school, right? All of the other kids and the teachers. How did your philosophy at home compare with the environment around you? Hmm. Good question. Uh, you know, it, it, the, the neighborhood that I lived in and, you know, where I went to middle school, where I went to high school, everybody was in basically the same boat. And, and so you had a, you know, a largely middle-class neighborhood and, um, you know, some people were, were better off than others and some people less well off. But, you know, I think, um, certainly growing up, there was always a, 
strong sense that for all of us that we could do whatever we we wanted to do. Um, you know, I think a, a lot of people chose to um, to try and make uh, make money. And for me, I you know, I worked all the way through school. I even while I was going through law school, people said you can't you can't possibly go to law school and work a part time job at the same time. But you know, I worked as a waiter two to three nights a week, and in in reality, it forced me to to be very focused in what I did, everything that, that I did. And, you know, yeah, there were probably some things that I missed out on. I, you know, some of the people that I went to law school with went to parties and, you know, I was working that night. So I, but I was, I was incredibly blessed because the place where I worked was basically a party. So, so I was getting paid to, to, to enjoy myself and, and help others. And, and, you know, and, and I think I look at back at my life and, you know, I've worked summer jobs and I've worked, a, worked, really some some terrible terrible jobs that i wouldn't want to do but you know what the reality is you learn that that this world works because people do their jobs they're a necessity and and you know that there is no job that's too good certainly from the, my perspective no job that's too good for me or too 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 terrible for me and and so i think all those things start to impact how you see yourself and and where you go. And even from my perspective, I, you know, and I was a really good athlete, but I didn't really understand uh, how hard you had to work to be a really good athlete. I had natural talent, but it really wasn't until my early 20s that I recognized when I, as I was going through law school, how hard you have to work if you really want to do something. And I, I think that's a, uh, that's something that that um, seems to have gotten lost somewhere along the way. That that this the importance, and we 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 see these success stories, and and uh, and we we focus on you know that success without sometimes looking at how hard they had to work to be able to achieve that success. And you know, look, some people are are blessed. Some people have something fall in their lap and, and create success that way. But I'm going to suggest that most people had to work their butts off in order to be able to achieve that success. And I, I think, you know, those are all valuable lessons for us. And, uh, you know, the, I, I, you know, um, my daughter is, is, uh, is a hardworking person and, and she, you know, she's, uh, understands that if she's going to achieve something it's going to be through that hard work and and i think that's a lesson that i'm i'm glad has translated to to her and, and my wife's the same way as you were going into high school who were you at the time i mean did did the sports start earlier than high school and then you just continued and was that really the main focus or what were you thinking about in high school what were you focused on Uh, you know what? I, I played uh, played sports well before high school. Um, you know, and most of the sports that I played were uh, uh, community based teams, um, and so they weren't school based teams for the most part. And so, so I kept doing that. And you know what? I I ended up playing football later in life, in later in high school. But it wasn't something that I had started 
significantly earlier. And, and, and you know what, there were other things that I was doing. I was playing baseball, I was playing hockey. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I dabbled in stuff and I just never, honestly, never pushed myself, um, into some of those other sports. And as I got older and, you know, realized, you know, yeah, maybe I could have been good if I, I tried that, um, at a competitive level, but sometimes, you know, you're, you get comfortable with what you're doing. And, and so that, you know, I was comfortable playing baseball, I was comfortable playing hockey. And, uh, you know, ultimately I ended up going back into football and, and, you know, and it turned out, you know, I was, I was pretty decent at it. <laughs> Unfortunately, it was a little late to, to, uh, to get the kind of uh, traction that I wanted. But, you know, uh, you know, the one thing I, I think about things like sports is it teaches you some really good lessons about yourself, um, about the importance that team and, and having to rely upon others to, to be part of that, that success. And, you know, watching the Super Bowl in the last couple of weeks, it's just a, you know, a couple of reminder, you know, a strong reminder, I think to me that, that, uh, that one person can't do it alone. And, and, you know, that applies to, to our family lives. It applies to, to our business lives um, and anything in between. When you were making, hopefully that doesn't come off as sounding too philosophical. But well, look, I love talking about philosophy and and you know the the things that are material to you are the things that I want to talk about because you know that we only have a limited amount of time to that that we can share. So you know I want to talk about the things that are important that are actually meaningful. Um, so you know please don't ever hesitate to to go into that stuff. Um, as you're going from high school into college what was the decision making like when determining which college you would go to um for my first degree there, there was no decision making process there was a there was a very large university in in you know where i grew up and it was just assumed at that time you know if you're going to university you weren't traveling you were you were going there and, and I lived at home. I, I you know, and, and uh, traveled to school every day and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, it was a, and that four year period was a interesting process for me. I did well the first year, did really poorly the second year. Um, and, and it was that year that I started to recognize that, you know, if you don't put in the time, you're not going to get the results. And, and um, so in years three and four, I dedicated myself to, to getting those results and, and actually, um, you know, got the results that, that, um, that I worked for. Um, you know, when I, when it came to my next degree, my law degree, I, I looked around at some other schools and, uh, and tried to look for schools that, that were a better fit, you know, that I thought fit where I was as a, as a human being. And some of those that I thought well, I would be a good fit for, they didn't see me as a good fit, um, you know, and, and, you know, so I ended up going to, to one of a very, very good law school, um, University of Alberta. And, and, uh, you know, I don't have any regrets about, uh, about that, uh, that decision at all. And, and I think, you know, in the, you know, I think sometimes we're, 
we're so anxious to get into a school and sometimes like, you know, only one school accepts you. So it makes the decision making process pretty, pretty uncomplicated, but, but, um, you know, the hard part is trying to understand who you are and the fit for you. And, and, uh, sometimes, especially when you're younger, I think it, the easier thing is to figure out stuff that, that isn't a fit as opposed to figuring out stuff that is a fit. So, I can eliminate, you know, and we do that in relationships too. I, you know, not interested in them because they are this kind of person. I'm not interested in that school because they are that kind of school. But that doesn't really answer the question of who you are, what you are, and what's the fit for you. And and that's that's not an easy uh, question to answer. But but you know, it, sometimes you end up going to a school that's just not a not a good fit for you, your personality, and and uh, you know, or even where you want to take your life, and and uh, so I think those kinds of things have to be considered. When you were talking just now about really figuring out who you are as an individual, it seems as if you've you've had a lot of interesting roles or a lot of interesting hats to wear, right? It seems like in the, in the um, beginning you were more sports focused and you're more of an athlete and then you, sh- you went to law school and your identity probably evolved along, along that journey. So can you talk about your view of self as you progressed through these different experiences and, and through these different parts of your journey? Well, I think, sure, sure, and, and good question. I, I uh, you know, it, as I said, one of the, the hardest parts for me as I went through that journey was understanding um, how much hard work had to be put in to create success, however you define success. But, but you know, I, I, in my particular case, I, I was a fairly smart person. Um, I didn't want to be one of the brainiacs, so I choose, chose not to work hard in high school, just so that my marks were good. My parents were always happy, uh, and I was happy, but I never was up in that that elite territory. And and uh, as a result, and I did the same thing athletically. Frankly, you know, I I was had a lot of natural talent. I knew I didn't have to work particularly hard to 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 do okay at it and uh, and at point um you know and and frankly it was probably the the you know getting to that point of near failure that that i started to recognize the importance of that hard work and so by the time i got to law school even though i still kind of stayed out of that super elite area my marks were you know i was i was top 10 percent of my class and, and, uh, you know, I, I would wager that because I was very quiet about it, that most of my classmates didn't even know that I was in the top 10%. But you know what, that's just, you know, for me, it was about working hard and about my personal accomplishments as opposed to necessarily having to share that with everybody else around me. And, but, you know, I, it, that said, the valuable lesson for me was that that um, evolution of my mindset from getting by on 
on a certain amount of talent or intelligence and then recognizing that if you want to start to accomplish your goals in your life, wherever they are, whether they're athletics or, or school or work, it, it comes from your ability to, or your willingness to, to put your nose down and your butt up and work hard. You know, that, that somebody isn't just going to hand you something just because it just, it, it isn't going to happen. And, and, um, you know, it, it, there are still people out there that, that they have an expectation that if they put in a year at this job, that, that somebody's going to promote them. Um, you know, and, and in the end, you're going to get promoted because people see value in the work that you're doing. And if you're not giving value, then, then, you know, that, that, um, then, you know, you're not going to get promoted. And at the same time, I think, you know, um, and we see this a lot, I think, among millennials uh, moving around as we as they try and find that that role, that company, that business that has a philosophy that fits with with who they are as a person or at least who they see they are at that point. And I, you know, look, um, who who you are today isn't necessarily going to be who you are 20 years from now. And, and that goes for all of us. We. We all evolve. Um, we have a bunch of life experiences, um, some good, some bad, and and as a result, we we evolve as a human being um, along with those kinds of, of experiences and with with partners and and you know whether it's partners in life or partners in business, um, all those things have an impact on us. Once you graduated from law school. What was your journey like from there? Um, you know what? I, I, uh, I was fortunate that I had choices um, in terms of the kind of, of uh, law firm that I would go with. I, I thought I made an intelligent choice. It's something that I thought was going to be a fit for me, something um, not quite you know, a, a large firm, but yet not a small firm. So I went for a mid-sized firm because I felt that, that that I would have an identity within that, that organization. Um, it was an interesting process. And I think, you know, uh, without getting into, you know, law schools and the philosophies of law schools per se, you know, we, we thought, I thought when I left law school that that meant I was a lawyer. And what I didn't realize is that it really only taught me to think a bit like a lawyer, but I really had no idea how to be a lawyer. But, but uh, you know, they, they're, um, so I had to quickly try and figure out how to be that lawyer. So I practiced law primarily doing uh, corporate and commercial work, uh, um, doing a lot in terms of acquisitions and banking and, and had an opportunity to, to run a M&A group for a, a large multinational uh, oil and gas company, and and uh, you know, I was dealing with some very, very big stuff, and and you know, probably by age and experience, it was you know, you know, normally you probably wouldn't have had that kind of opportunity, but I was I was blessed. I I was given that opportunity, and and you know, I, I realized I'm very, you know, I'm I'm anally organized within my own mind you know i 
I'm one of those people that's probably annoyingly organized, at least in my own mind. And, and, you know, I try to put stuff into segments and that's just how I, it works within my brain. And, and, but, you know, this was something, this was new. And so it, it really required somebody to be organized and to, because it meant so many different parts of the puzzle. And I, so I, I got it organized. And I, I think, as, as I said, as, you know, as I, I went through that role, I realized that I liked that, that idea of bringing people together and accomplishing those goals more than I liked going back to my office and cranking out agreements. And the reality is, you know, it's just zeros. You know, when, when you're doing a deal, you know, a hundred thousand dollar deal or a hundred million dollar deal or a hundred billion dollar deal, you know, it's not that it isn't hard work. Sometimes the, the million dollar deal is harder than the hundred million dollar deal. But it, you know, in terms of, are you a hero? Are you, you know, accomplishing something? It's just, it is just, you know, my philosophy became, it was just zeros at the end of a number. And, and uh, so in the end, I, I, you know, I, I came to that recognition that, that that's the part of it that I loved. I love that organizing uh, about, you know, what I think of for myself is about contribution. It's about service. It's about accomplishing a goal. And, and that was the, that was the stuff that, that, um, that I found joyful. And, you know, I'm, I'm also one of those annoyingly people that I wake up with my eyes wide open. I, you know, I, I, you know, I, I wake up early. I, you know, I'm, I'm have a positive attitude. I, I go after the day and, and, uh, and, you know, can hardly wait to accomplish goals. That's, that's, you know, that's the fun part for me. Well, just so, just so we're on the same page, I'm the same way with waking up eyes wide open, ready to go super positive all the time. And I think that's awesome. Um, so, you, you had this amazing opportunity to, to go work on these massive, massive deals. Um, how did you transition? And, and I'm, I'm talking like actionable steps that you took to really transition yourself from, okay, I'm an attorney, I'm learning, I'm doing some, uh, some M&A, into this humongous role of wow now i have tremendous responsibility i have to build a team and the stakes are are much higher like the it may just be zeros at the end of the day but it those zeros could add up to be something of of serious consequence to a lot of different people so i'm sure there there is a little bit of a of, of a shift that went on so how did you make that uh transformation happen within yourself to, to get up to that point where you were the person that could take that on? Uh, you know, I think, uh, as I said, I, I've been blessed to be organized in, in at least how I think it tends to be organized anyway. And, and this meant trying to be organized at a much larger scale than I had in the past. But in the end, it was, taking those skills of organization and understanding that, that, you know, um, I guess I put it into the team environment that, you know, that, that, you know, I needed these people over here and I needed these people here and these people and these people all to be able to help me to, to get that deal from point A to we close the deal. 
And, and so I looked at them as part of my team. And, and so it was, it was uh, about trying to get them organized. And, and probably the one thing that I had to learn that, that, that I never really had to use as a skill up to that point was, was communication. And, and uh, you know, that, that, and I, and that really happened because I thought these guys were on the same page as me. And then I started to realize that they, they didn't know what they didn't know that they'd never had to go through this. And so me saying, you know, this is what my expectation is. And, you know, th- I need that before I can do this meant nothing to them. And so what I did something that was at that time, I thought was rather novel, which was I brought all those guys, those people into an auditorium and I put on a half day seminar so that they would understand the entire process from A all the way through closing. And they could see how they fit within that and why what they did was incredibly important to be able to get to that end goal. And so I, you know, I, it was, it was actually kind of cool. And, and as a result, the process became so much easier because people understood how they fit within, you know, the goal of trying to get these deals done. So now you're the managing director of Brightstone Capital. How did you transition from that opportunity with the oil and gas business into your current position? Like, what was that journey? You know what, I, I, um, as I indicated, I've always had a thing, an interest in new stuff. I love to learn new stuff. And, And I've always had a fascination for what technology has the potential to be able to do. And so, uh, you know, um, I, I started going after different kinds of roles and trying to create a, a, an understanding of, of um, or create a knowledge base within a number of different sectors. And, and what I realized is that, you know, that, that within every role, there's kind of a you know, a nucleus of the skills that you require to be able to to accomplish goals or to succeed or to help others in terms of of, of them succeeding. Um, that that you know the the mining industry is different than than the software industry, and that's different than the energy efficiency industry. But but those are soft skills. Those are skills, those are, you know, understanding those sectors that can be accomplished. And, and what I learned was that I shouldn't be afraid of, you know, Hey, you know what, I've never done that before because in reality, most of the skills that were required to, to be good at that, I already had. So it was just, just that it was in a new sector. And so what I've, been able to do is I've been able to learn a lot about a lot of different sectors and 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 then to be able to take those skills that I've got to understanding how to how money can be used how what it takes to expand businesses or to keep costs under control or to 
to examine what we can do and do better uh, and to to take those kinds of skills and apply them into various sectors and and so I you know I I've worked in a number of different roles I've been CEO I've been the CFO I've been the COO been the president you know and, and so I've had a lot of different roles within different kinds of organizations and and so I, I've taken that and, and really applied it into into Brightstone to be able to provide that kind of of advice and and uh, work ethic with with others. And you know I, I realize that you know some people don't understand the value. Some people do understand understand that value. But you know I I still see myself as somebody that. That needs that wants to learn. I have this insatiable um, thirst for knowledge and love to learn something new. I look at every day as a day to learn something new. And and you know I uh, you know an example of that is just my fascination with social media. That you know how social media has changed how we market ourselves or market businesses in a way that. That I, you know, if you had asked me even five years ago about the impact of social media, I would have just said it was Facebook. It was people, you know, talking to each other or sharing personal lives. And and you know, I've come to recognize the the value and the impact of social media in terms of being able to to get your your story out there, and whether that's you know your podcast, or people interested having interest in your podcast, or or you know a a, a energy company just trying to talk about how it's doing and what it's doing and why it's doing it. All those things are impacting the world and passing on information about those people and those businesses in a way that that we could have. I don't think you know other than the the savants of the world, nobody would have imagined for sure ten years ago. And, and even maybe five years ago. You, you mentioned an insatiable hunger for knowledge and for learning. How do you go about um, picking different sources or maybe different people to learn from? Like, what is your vetting process? Because in my opinion, when you go about trying to acquire new information, you become intellectually vulnerable in a sense. So how do you make sure that you're getting accurate information, you're getting helpful informa information, and you're getting it from a really good source? Um, you know, I, that's a good question. And, and I think, you know, the, the, the um, information and disinformation that's, that's available out there, it, it's easy to get stuck down a rabbit hole only to discover that that you've you know what you thought was real or was important is you know is just all bogus and and uh, you know and i guess i i you know I, i'm i i'm not politically predisposed to one camp or the other and and that makes it easier in many respects to to not feel i have to believe um uh you know either the 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 conservative or the liberal perspective and so the reality is for me i i 
I'm looking at both sides and, and I'm, I, I guess because I have my background, I take all that with a grain of salt and realize that, that the, the reality of the situation is somewhere in that, that middle territory. Um, that said, you know, I, I am constantly trying to, to read about, um, you know, innovation and, and uh, technology advancements in a variety of sectors. And, and I, I think for me, because I've worked in a number of different sectors, I see the ability to be able to take something that, that people were looking at over here in this sector and say, well, why can't we use something similar in this sector? And, and a, you know, why can't we find a new way of, of doing that? And, you know, sometimes there's resistance because that's not the way that we've been doing it. But, but sometimes you can open people's eyes and get them to, to recognize that, that there are new opportunities. And, and, you know, if there's, you know, certainly one of the incredible positives that I think come from both social media, um, you know, the ability to be able to to use the internet to to obtain knowledge is is I think there's certainly a lot more openness in the last five years to people seeing uh, skills and technologies and and ways of doing things and being able to see that that you know all those things can be transferable from from sector to sector. So we've talked a lot about. Um, how you've gotten to where you are now. But I want to take a moment to really drill down and understand what exactly you are doing right now. Um, so maybe you could talk about Brightstone and, and the things that you're doing um, and anything outside of Brightstone that, that you're participating in at this time. Sure. Yeah, you know, I, I, I work primarily with um, emerging companies and mid-market companies trying to find ways to move the needle in terms of their growth. So sometimes it's, it's something that's early, early stage. I, I worked with a technology company and, and, and took on an interim role with them as the CEO and, and really took them from a concept all the way into a, a, an operating business with clients. And, and you know, I, I think um, one of the interesting parts of those journeys with uh, early stage companies is that is them trying to figure out what they really are. And, and uh, you know, that, that uh, sometimes, you know, we create a business and we have a mindset of, of how we, how we fit into the ecosystem of whatever sector we're working, and and the reality is that that isn't always the you know where you're going to end up. You may think that you're this, and you could turn out to you know your business could be something completely different. And I, you know one of the things I think I've been um, very good at doing is seeing is where where people, where those companies fit within that, that ecosystem and, and what they can offer in that system. And, and that, you know, one of the, the, you know, that particular business, I mean, one of the things that I saw was how important the data that they would be extracting would be. 
because it would help to start to create an understanding of patterns of of consumer behavior and and you know that that understanding that data could then be used to to help others in terms of better understand that consumer behavior and and so certainly the you know i i, I think of of you know 15 years ago you know a lot of businesses were accumulating data and they really had no idea what to do with that data how to use that data effectively and and now I'm of a mindset that if you're not extracting data and you're not figuring out how you can use that, you're wasting and you know you're missing out on on a incredible opportunity. So I you know I I help those businesses to grow and I, I you know it's not in any one area. Sometimes it's trying to help them find money. Sometimes it's you know for the most part most businesses that are you know uh, emerging or mid-size need more than just money. They may think that that's the only thing they need, but the reality is, in my experience, they need more than that as part of that, that you know, their journey to, to be able to grow. And so, I, you know, I work with those kinds of, of, uh, of businesses and, and, um, and I do it, you know, sometimes it's a, you know, it's a pure gig. Uh, you're only there for a couple of months to try and, you know, identify some opportunities and then then you know let them execute sometimes i'm there and part of that that team that's um that's helping them to be able to execute let's get a little tactical when you first come in contact with a business or or an idea a startup whatever it may be what is the process that you go through to identify what shape they're actually in, what their needs are, what what they require to get to that next level. What's your process for going about and doing that initial analysis? Well, I think it, it's uh, the process for me anyway is is just a you know it's a uh, it, it's as if I were doing due diligence on that company from a third party perspective. So I'm I'm you know drilling down in terms of of the product, the idea, the vision, the you know where you know what do we have in terms of team and and um, and and then I'm trying to do kind of a 360 perspective by going to them and and you know once I've had an opportunity to be able to look at them to be able to sit down and and truly discuss with them what they think that they've got and where they think that they're going. And, and I think, and by doing that, I'm able to, to create a, a dialogue with them that allows them to sometimes have that aha moment of, Oh, you know, I didn't realize, you know, I didn't think about that. And, and, uh, you know, you know, as an example, this, this technology company that I worked with recently, you know, they they saw themselves as as providing a, a technology application for a, a particular sector, like a, you know this small. And my comment was, but how do you get people excited about that if if you're working in a small sector that only works uh, you know a certain part of the world? How can you get people excited? And why just that? I mean, if it works in this, doesn't it work in you know these sectors as well, and and so we took it from this you know small idea 
into something that had the potential to be be a global uh, technology that can be used on a global basis. And 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 you know that's a fascinating process. And you know to be able to do that, you've got to you've got to um, create an understanding of both the sector. Um, as well as the opportunity. And, you know, and that was um, a really incredible adventure for me because I, I really, at that time, knew very little about the retail sector other than, you know, when I go to stores and I buy things and, you know, I see what's going on. But, but you know, I had to, had to quickly develop a, a strong understanding of the retail sector and, and to really get how, how this could work in terms of as a technology to be used by that sector. And so it's just, a, it's a, it really is, it starts with a due diligence process on my own. And, and it, you know, normally that needs to be done really rapidly because people are looking for answers and, and, you know, they want, you know, they're not, they don't feel they're paying you to, to spend a bunch of time sitting in a room by yourself. They want to see that you're involved and, and, but, you know, when you start to have those conversations and you can talk intelligently about, you know, what they're doing and the sector, all of a sudden have that ability to create those those aha moments of, of how this can be used. And and sometimes it's it's simply just trying to find a better way to to accomplish their goals. It seems as if. You, you obviously have a ton of experience, and, and you've been doing this for a while. And um, it seems like you've had a lot of uh, a lot of successes and a lot of home runs here. Uh, based on your experience, what do you most commonly see younger companies struggling with? Uh, good question. Uh, I think sometimes with younger companies, they they think they've got an an incredible idea, and and I think we we do this a lot as human beings. You know, we internalize something. We're we're only talking among ourselves. You and me are talking, and and so we're not getting the you know the 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 input or the value of the input from others that maybe have a completely different perspective, and so. I think sometimes with younger companies, they've they've gone down a path and they're they've been fixated on on you know sticking to that path, and and uh, and sometimes it it really is a case of of getting a fresh perspective, and and you know really the hardest part I think you know that I see is them understanding what they could what they can be they they've come up with a vision and in most cases especially younger companies they think you know if if we can only do this we need help doing you know this we need help in terms of growing our market or we need help in terms of capital we need help in in terms of of how we market or who we market to or you know uh, those kinds of things, and and you know the reality is that businesses are holistic, and and you know that it's it's not just one part of a business. You know, if we make this better, everything gets gets better. You know, everything needs to be made better, and and at the same time, so I, I guess from my perspective, it's it's uh, 
it's really, I think, for most of those companies, trying to get a fresh perspective. And sometimes, you know what, you're on perfectly the right track. You know, you've got this, you've understood um, what you want to be. You know, we just need to find a way to be able to to get your story out there. And, and you know, it, it you can have the best idea. You can have some incredibly talented people, but if you aren't, if you weren't um, getting your idea, your business, your concept in front of the people, the decision makers that that need to say, "Oh, we need that," then then you know you're gonna, you're not going to succeed. That's that's the reality, and and uh, so you, you can't have one without the other. And and I think that really, you know, when you have a uh, my from my background and the kinds of roles that I've had, it's it's a little easier for me to come in and to start to recognize how maybe here's some missing component or here's a couple of missing components and to be able to add that, you know, value to them by saying, here's these things are missing. We need to find out a way to be able to do it. And, you know, I'm, I'm doing a work, doing some work with a, a technology group right now. And, you know, one of the guys is an industry expert and, and, you know, I, I'm trying to tell him how the marketing how much marketing can be accomplished through social media in terms of getting this story out there. And, and he's very old school. It's uh, you know, I, if I don't do it face to face, then it isn't really a, you know, a marketing me. And, and I'm trying to say, you know, it, the social media transcends that in a way that, that, you know, uh, it's a different world and, and I get where you're coming from, but, and, and, and face to face is, is and will always have a an incredibly important context in in how we work, um, whether internally within the company as well as as externally. But but you know there are other there are there are newer ways of of disseminating and communicating your story. So we've talked a lot about where you've been and where you are now. What does the future hold for Chuck? Where do you see yourself 5, 10, 20 years down the road? Uh, you know what? I, I, uh, I, I like what I do. I, I would be happy to be able to, if I found the right opportunity to go back and, and you know, focus on a single business and, and be part of that team. And find a way to help them succeed and to grow and, and to, you know, so that we're growing as a team. So, you know, I, I think that if I'm looking into my, my crystal ball and saying that's, you know, if I can find that opportunity, I, you know, I'd love to, love to get back to, to being part of the team as opposed to just being a, a bolt on or an add on to, uh, to a team and, and being there for the gig and then, then stepping aside. For those who are listening that are thinking, oh man, we really want Chuck to be part of our team, how would they go about earning your business? Like, How can they prove to you that they are the right organization or individuals um, that you know would be a good fit for you, that, that would um, interest you in at least taking that conversation um, and, and exploring that. You know what? Uh, I, I'm, you know, you and I are having a great conversation, and I would say, 
you know, get a hold of me. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Get a hold of me. Um, let's have a conversation. I, I'm, you know, uh, you know, you can send me an email, truck.allen at rogers.com. You know, I'm, I'm happy to have that conversation. And I, you know, that's the starting place. Send me your stuff, you know, tell me, tell me um, what you're all about and where you think you want to go. And, and, you know, let's start the conversation. It's that simple. Fantastic, Chuck. Well, I have a few more questions for you. I really appreciate your time uh, thus far. Um, one of the foundations of this show and one of the things that I am obsessed with, if you will, is connection. Right? Genuine, deep, and meaningful connection between two human beings. Right? Like right now, there's a connection between us as friends as uh, guest to host, there's the connection between you and the audience, between me and the audience, the audience members uh, amongst themselves. That being said, what is your philosophy on creating meaningful human connection? Uh, well, I think... Uh the podcast that you're doing is, is an incredibly uh, intelligent way to be able to create those kinds of connections and reaching out to people. And, and, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I guess, you know, everybody, for example, uses LinkedIn for something different, but, you know, and, and I, you know, certainly it's an opportunity to be able to communicate your message on a broader scale, but that, you know, communicating on a broader scale isn't the same as communication. And I think sometimes we forget that, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm, once again, I'm, I'm, you know, anal about, you know, as people within my network have good things happen to them, I, I send them a note, you know, something that, that, you know, says, Hey, you know, um, congratulations on this, you know, good luck, well done, you know, hopeful, you know, everything's amazing. And, and, you know, it's, um, it's, um, I have to say that people, uh, some people completely ignore it, but, but, you know, and that's, that's our world. Some people, you know, are going to ignore us no matter what, but those that, that read it and, you know, the, you know, there's a lot of, of, uh, genuine appreciation or the fact that you've taken the time to be able to say something good to them and, and, and you know, that you've congratulated them on that level. And in many cases that starts a, you know, a conversation that, that has the potential to, to create a connection between you and that person on a broader scale. And, and uh, you know, I'm thinking of somebody that I connected with a long time ago, we had, some good conversations and, you know, it, you know, uh, we kind of went this way and this way. And, and then just recently we've reconnected again and, and, uh, you know, or, or maybe just solidified that connection. But, you know, I think it comes with, um, trying to understand, trying to, you know, start a conversation with them that, that, you know, seeing somebody on, on a, on one of the social media sites and following them isn't the same as connecting. You know, connecting is about having a, a conversation 
you know, whether it's online or offline, you know, it's about a conversation and, and uh, trying to get to, to have a, some sense of understanding of, of that person and, and you and they of you. That's my, my two cents worth. When I think of the greatest movers and shifters in the history of humankind, I often think of people who've had a theory, right? They've, they've had some belief or some idea, and, and it became their theory, and, and they went out and they tried to test it and, and break it and prove it and improve it. Um, by that vein, what is your greatest theory? You know, I, I read a, 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 a really interesting business based book called Good to Great a long time ago. And, and you know, it, it, it resonated with me in terms of, of my, you know, my business life and my concept of the importance of the team. And it was about this idea of, you know, within that organization, you got to get the right people on the bus. And, and if they're not the right people, you got to get them off the bus as fast as you can. And, and, and that's, you know, when I think of, of trying to create success, you know, even if it's three people running a business out of a garage, if two people are going in one direction and one's going in a different direction, it just, it, it's not going to, it's going to be very hard to be successful. And, and so I, I think in the end, you know, it, it, you know, that has become my philosophy and it's based on this idea of the team, but you got to have, you know, people with a lot of different backgrounds that, that and you got to be able to trust all those people to be able to do what they're doing. But if they're not the right people, the reality is, is probably it's a good thing for you. And it's, and, and you know, as much as they're, they probably would disagree at the time, it's a good thing for them that they're moving on to something else. And so, you know, it is about, to me, it's about getting the right people on your team and, and, uh, and then working hard to, to keep everybody happy by working hard and accomplishing goals. And, you know, and, and I, you know, one of the other things is, you know, we were talking a little bit about the idea of early startups and, and, you know, people have seen so many startups, you know, become massive, massive corporations and the people that own them, you know, become incredibly wealthy. And so I, I find with a lot of the early stage companies that there's a whole sense of, that, you know, they wrap their arms around what they've got and they don't want to give it up, give up pieces of it to others. And, you know, I, I had a group that, that I found them some money and, you know, it meant doing a bunch of things and they realized that they were going to give up you know, 30% of the business to somebody else. Oh, well, we can't give up 30% of the business. We want 100%. I said, well, you know, if you're going to take capital, I mean, how do you think you're going to get the capital to grow your business? Oh, no. And, and so I think, you know, you've, there's, you know, people have to understand that you've got to be able to, life is, is about trade-offs and, you know, and sometimes, and, and it's about finding the right partners and the right teammates and, and that's, I think, what you got to be thinking about. 
how do you define wealth? Well, I think wealth comes, wealth is defined in a lot of different ways. For me personally, wealth is more than just about um, financial wealth. It's, uh, you know, the wealth of my relationships, the wealth of my happiness, the wealth of, of my contribution. And so it's, it's probably broader than many people's perspective, but, but I do think that, that, you know, um, that all of us need to focus on more than just money. Sometimes it's, you know, that it's, it's about satisfaction. It's about the happiness of going home at night and, you know, and, and, you know, whether you're going home to, to your place by yourself or you've got a partner and, and kids or a dog or a cat, you know, it's about that the, to me, the wealth is you're happy. You're, you're a happy person and, and you see life from a positive perspective. Uh, you know, money, money doesn't make us happy. Um, you know, it can certainly solve a lot of problems, but, but, you know, I think you've got to focus on doing things that are going to make you happy. And sometimes, you know, that could be, uh, you know, working as a, as a first responder, because, you know, that satisfies an incredible need in, in, you know, you have, and, you know, financially, you're, you're not going to become the wealthiest person in the entire world, but, you know, you get to go home happy at night. Uh, you've done a job well, you, you know, and hopefully you, you know, where, whatever home you're going to, it, it's um, something that puts a smile on your face and helps you to sleep at night. What is your biggest fear? Um, my biggest fear, it's, I, I, I think about contribution and serving some way, um, you know, in, in contributing to that team, serving that team, you know, and, and that goes for my family. And so if I'm not, if I don't think that I'm doing this, that my biggest fear is that it, you know, I'm not contributing and I'm not serving and so you know those things you know and and it's important to me to be a good person um you know it's it's uh, important to be successful and successful isn't necessarily financial wealth but but it's the it's accomplishing things and so you know my greatest fear is if i'm not doing you know that i won't do those things what do you think is the thing or the skill set that and we talked about a, a little bit with organization and, and teamwork, um, but what do you truly think is like the skill set that you bring to the table that you can do better than anybody else on the planet? Well, I don't know about anybody on the planet, but the, the skill set that that I think that that um, that separates me from a lot of others. Is really a, a you know a, um, two sides of a coin. So on the one side of that coin is my ability to to create a vision. I, I I can't tell you where it comes from. I don't know how I got it, but I have the ability to be able to to visualize how we can take something from point A to point B 
and steps in between and and how we can you know what we can accomplish in doing that and then the flip side of that coin is execution and and you know the best plans the best ideas the best vision without execution is never going to be a success and so you know i i had this ability and i you know like as i said it comes back to understanding the importance of of you know, that hard work and and actually accomplishing the goals and and so it's taking visions and actually executing on them and and uh, you know moving in and not just talking about moving from point a to point b but actually doing that and and that you know that will you know certainly is one of my absolute strongest skill sets well, Chuck, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. It has been an absolute pleasure to uh, be able to share this time with you and, and to speak about these things and speak about your life and, and your journey, uh, and, and, and I'm very appreciative. Uh, I have two more questions for you, and then we'll, then we'll wrap right up. Um, the, first, the first is, um, is there anything about yourself that you think is an important part of who you are that I did not ask you about today? In other words... What did I miss? Uh, you know, I, I think uh, uh, maybe the only other comment, and which really has very little to do with business, is just uh, um, the importance of our families. It's you know, in, in however you define family, and and uh, you know, hopefully, you know. You know, you, you recognize the importance of your family and your family recognizes the importance of you as being part of that, that family. I, you know, to me, that's, that's, um, that's a big part of, of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm blessed, uh, to have the, the, have an incredible family and have the, the love of an incredible family. And, and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy every day for that. And, and, you know, it's hard work, but, but, um, um, to me, that's that that's part of, of who I am. And the last question for you today is: it's a bit of a selfish question, so I appreciate it if you'd humor me. Um, I'm I'm 24. I have a couple different businesses. You know, I have the show. Um, what question should I be asking you that I just wouldn't think to ask? You know, I I think uh, um, for all of us, it, it's probably you know, do you have any regrets? And and you know, and if you've got regrets, why? And and do you think you could have done something better or differently? You know, so that you wouldn't have had that regret. And and let me answer that question. You know, there's there's things that I, I think I could have done differently or better. I, I, you know, I became more intelligent. I became more mature over time. And I recognized that, that you know, sometimes, uh, you know, when I was earlier, I was, I was evolving and, and I wish that I had been more open-minded. I'd recognize, I wish that I, I had recognized the value of hard work, those kinds of things. But in, for me, I wouldn't change a thing in my life. And, and, uh, but 
you know, I think that's always an interesting question because not everybody, not everybody is going to answer that question by saying that that there isn't anything that they would uh, would change. Well, Chuck, again, I want to thank you so so much for coming on the show today. Uh, it's been an thank you for pleasure. having me, Ben. I, you know, it's a it's a fascinating conversation. Thank thank you, and uh, to everybody who's listening, um, thank y'all so much for supporting the show uh, and for sticking with us for so long. Uh, I highly encourage you to actually go back and listen to this interview a couple times because Chuck was really sharing some valuable information, um, and I feel like there were a lot of layers there that you might not pick up on on the first go round. I'm sure I didn't even pick it all up, so I'm going to be going back and listening myself. So highly encourage you to go back and listen a couple times. Um, and I just wanted to say to uh, to all of you that um, I'm so very appreciative and, and grateful and. I love you guys. So thank you very much. Uh, Chuck, you want to wrap us up? Okay. Well, and I, I thank everybody for taking the time to listen to both Ben and myself and, and, uh, and uh, for you, Ben and everybody be well and, and take care of yourselves. Awesome. Well, everybody, this has been another project egg interview where we interview entrepreneurs so that you can build your business, create your dream life, and we can all create, a better world together. Have a fantastic day.